0: Are you comfortable with this question cool i'm going to ask this question to you you can answer however you want brought to you by island this is the cloud bites podcast this episode is a special season finale episode where i brought together a panel from island's technical team to discuss how island implements the cloud attributes we discuss the rest of the season our goal is to provide a good sound bites about how to manage your bites in the cloud. And honestly, I doubt our conclusion in this episode will be that the cloud bites. This episode is all about how Island puts the attributes of cloud into action. My name is Brian Knutson. I'm a cloud technologist for Island, and we'll be acting as our moderator for today's discussion. This episode's panel includes members of Island's cloud's operation and support teams. So let's start by having each of our panelists quickly introduce themselves with their current role and a soundbite about their initial thoughts about what is important about the attributes of a cloud.
1: All right, I'm Corey Snyder, a senior staff software engineer at Island, and I want a simpler cloud. I'm focused on building software that makes it easier for customers to understand what's going on in their virtual environment and to have hassle-free, full self-service control when they need to make
2: changes. Hey, everyone. My name is Tom Farron. I'm one of the project managers on the cloud services team. And I think that user experience and design are really important as you bring customers into the cloud. And I get the pleasure of seeing that firsthand as we onboard customers.
3: Yeah, my name is Mike Mosley. I'm a cloud architect with Island now. And I mean, I think when you put resources into the cloud, something you can't tangibly touch or see, it's important to know that it's secure, it's reliable, you can get to it at any point in time. And uh, I mean, obviously, it's important for us, but it's very important for our customers as well.
4: So thanks, Brian. I'm Rose Tovar. I'm the support desk manager for the APAC region. Um, and if, as we've discussed, part of Island's success relies on our flexibility, our agility. Um, but, you know, a lot of it comes back to people as well. and And that comes back to my area of expertise, which is the support that we provide our customers.
0: Thank you all for joining me. Season one of the Cloud Bytes podcast has been all about the attributes customers should be paying attention to when considering cloud platforms, things like capable, flexible, reliable, resilient, accessible, connected, global, supported, compatible, secure, and compliant. There have been a lot of great conversations, but I want to end the season with a discussion about how one cloud provider, Island, has implemented these different attributes. So, you know, we took 22 episodes to discuss those 11 attributes, but I'm gonna try and cram this island specific discussion into a single episode, which we're recording live on the island all hands call. We're really only going to scratch the surface. So let's start with some of the biggest concerns customers have with cloud. So data availability and security are two of the most paramount concerns for most organizations, thus ensuring The Island cloud infrastructure is reliable, the customer data is resilient, and it's all properly secure, is really core to Island's products. Mike, you're involved in designing and building our underlying platform. So can you give a quick overview
3: of how Island achieves these goals? Sure, yeah. So we know that this is important for our customers, and it's important for us as well. So starting from scratch, when Island uh, chooses a data center, we only choose from Tier 3 or Tier 4 data centers as certified by the Uptime Institute. There's a lot of requirements that these data centers have to keep to maintain their certification. But what I want to focus on is the 1.6 hours or less of downtime per year for a Tier 3 site. And for Tier 4, it's less than 27 minutes per year. And we make sure that our accessibility to these sites is reliant and redundant. Building our equipment in these data centers, we like to use multiple power sources, redundant connections on our servers. We have uh, multiple voltage intakes, making sure there's no single point of failure for our racks. And then our data center ops team is also monitoring for any power spikes, temperature changes, humidity changes, anything like that, making sure the core hardware is running as smoothly as possible. These tier three and tier four data centers also have to maintain their own security standards, but we've added a few of our own as well. We have our cages separated out, making sure that only the right people are getting into the right racks at any given time. As a cherry on top, we have cameras uh, recording everything in there, making sure that all activity at our racks is monitored and reviewed. Moving on to the virtual side of things, our VM stacks are built with DRS and high availability enabled. This makes sure that our guest VMs are running on healthy hosts, not battling resource contention, anything like that, which could cause performance issues. We have HPE's nimble storage arrays, making sure that our VMs are encrypted at rest, uh, as well as giving good performance there. We also offer disk-level encryption with HITRUST, And within the guest operating system, we have uh, the Trend Micro Deep Security Agent, which does malware protection, log inspection, intrusion detection. And that generates reports that go into our Island constable so it's visible for the customer. As far as networking goes, we use the VMware NSX and we offer... XVLAN and VLAN back networks to our customers. We can use the VMware NSX Edge to configure VPNs, firewall rules, SSL VPN, NAT rules, all of that. And again, this is all fully integrated into the island console, making it easy as possible for customers to secure and tighten up their organization. We have automatic vulnerability scanning as well, which reports uh, any vulnerabilities on the network into the island console. So a lot of our customers are using Island as a target site for their Zerto and Veeam backup and replication. When connecting to us, we use VPN typically, but also direct connects and PLS circuits. For Veeam Cloud Connect, it's a TLS connection, and this makes sure that our data and transfer is secure and encrypted. For our customers that are running live environments in our cloud, we also offer site-to-site replication with uh, Zerto, as well as Veeam backup, just making sure that their cloud resources have a DR strategy and a backup strategy implemented. This is kind of a stratosphere level view of a lot of the implementations we've put in. I know I kind of skimmed through some stuff and i probably miss some stuff there too, but uh, there's other people on here and I'll give them a chance to talk.
1: I might kind of discuss some of the resiliency and redundancy that we have at the hardware layer and at some of the underlying service provider layers to make sure that we can isolate failures and still have high availability in those scenarios and i'll just add in a piece from our side as a software team that we kind of also think a lot about these things and we have some distributed databases that underlie our platform things like apache cassandra which can tolerate node failures and also we deploy multiple instances of our application nodes so that we can use health checks and load balancers to be sure that even in the face of single failures our customers can still access that control plane so that customers have insight into their environment even when we're experiencing Underlying failures.
0: A lot of it is about not only preventing problems from happening, but to your point, being able to monitor and know when issues happen so you can react to them because this is IT. Eventually, something's going to go wrong. That's pretty much a guarantee. All great points there. A customer's first requirement is oftentimes to ensure the system is capable of the functionality they require in the first place. And, of course, they want it to be compliant with the regulations they must abide by. But if the solution doesn't provide an accessible interface to them, it won't be a good fit at all. That's a lot to unpack altogether. But Corey, since you are part of the team that develops our console and ensures its proper operation, can you give everyone a quick view on how Island builds our features in the console and API that customers use to ultimately interface with it?
1: Yeah, sure. Thanks, Brian. Let me start by talking about how our software development team contributes to the capability piece and making our cloud meet the customer's requirements. Specifically, like you say, by developing our public APIs and our cloud console user interface. So, as Mike already discussed, our cloud is built on a platform that is composed of these best-of-breed services like VMware, Zerto, Veeam, and others. And by themselves, they already constitute a lot of functionality. They're really the workhorses of our system, and uh, they're doing most of the heavy lifting. So, where does the software team fit in then? My team's job is to tie everything together and expose a single, consistent control plane that our users can use to manage the virtual environment and access information about their workloads. And also to fill in gaps by providing new capabilities that extend or enhance what's available from those underlying services. That kind of leads to the next question. Most of the capabilities that we add are capabilities that enhance the accessibility of our platform. This is really the bread and butter of what our team does. We spend most of our time and energy thinking about how we can make it easier for our customers to understand what's going on in their cloud and to to manage that. So it can manifest itself in different ways. Sometimes we're archiving data that's sourced from these backing providers so that it's available for a longer time and so that customers can use it for auditing or to understand the evolution of their environment. Sometimes we're caching data so that they can access it faster from our API or from our UI, regardless of where they or their workload are geographically located. Sometimes we're trying to expose data in a more intuitive way in our user interface or in our APIs so that customers have an easier insight into what's happening. And sometimes uh, we're sending proactive emails so that they can understand some condition that's happening in their environment and maybe act upon it. The simplest case, we're just proxying through some features from these backing services so that they're all available in one familiar place with one set of credentials and they're easy for the customers to access. After years of development, that all kind of comes together into what we have now, which is a single UI and a single API where customers can do a bunch of things like self Service VM management, backups, disaster recovery, object storage, accessing VM consoles from their browser, and the list goes on and on. As I said in my intro, we really ultimately want to just make the cloud simpler for our customers. We want them to have the data that they need when they need it, and we want them to have self-service control without hassle when they need to make changes. And on the last piece about compliance, I can speak to that a little bit in terms of how we think about that in software engineering. The biggest concern is really the security of our public APIs and the code that we write in-house, and uh, we do a few things to mitigate and ensure that we have confidence that we are secure. First of all, we do internal code reviews to make sure that we always have multiple pairs of eyes on anything that gets deployed to production. Secondly, we have a suite of security tests that run multiple times a day and ensure that security primitives aren't compromised. And lastly, we hire a third-party software security company to do an annual source code review and penetration test to make sure that we have other experts looking at our code as well and that we're not missing anything. And with that, I want to open it up to the others to chime in here, too, because I know there's a lot more to say from a more general island perspective as it relates to all of these things.
3: I think it's crazy. I started on the support team about eight years ago or so. And I mean, at that time, we had vCloud Director and the vSphere client. And seeing what all is available now on the console, how we can integrate like literally everything in. I know I talked a lot earlier, but I forgot to mention that literally everything is like integrated into the console. Seeing as how that can like open up for the customers, it opens up as a tool for us as well. It's actually really impressive to see how far we've come in such a short time, but also just what's out there that we can still hit and get to because it's just growing every day. It's really been impressive to see that all that kind of take place and form up.
2: Yeah. And just to add on there from an onboarding perspective, we see all these changes in our console as they're released. And it's great to see how the development team has taken the customer experience into mind when they're actually designing this. And as we're onboarding customers onto it, it's really easy and kind of starts to click once they figure out where everything's located. And just to hit on Corey's point earlier, it really allows them to be self-sufficient.
4: And just kind of talking about that customer experience, it comes back to, you know with all that in-house written code, it's important that support works very closely with development to understand the new features coming at our clients so that when they do come out, we understand how that's gonna impact our clients and how they're gonna best benefit from those new features.
0: Yeah, highly integrated team approach to things because things do change so quickly sometimes. I've been on both sides of that coin as both a vendor and as a customer, and it can be challenging to keep up in both cases. So it's been pretty impressive how well we work across teams in that regard. But as customers move to the cloud to be able to do more than they can on-premises, often they still have to interoperate with their on-premises infrastructure. Tom, you help onboard customers into Island's environment. What meaningful advantages do customers find with regards to how we help them be more flexible in the cloud and compatible with their existing infrastructure?
2: First of all, Mike and Corey are big acts to follow. So I kind of feel like I'm going on after Elvis here. (laughs) The first compliment that we really receive starts at the beginning, and that goes around our initial design. And our first step in design is running Catalyst. And for those that are listening, Catalyst is our in-house sizing and design tool. And Catalyst allows us to not only grab VM information from the customer's environment, but it also allows us to get information like networking, host information and their bandwidth. And that really lets us paint a clear picture of what the customer's environment looks like on-premise and what it's going to look like in the cloud. It lets us create specific onboarding strategies as well as look out for any sort of risks or gotchas that come up during deployment. So that's one that we hear right off the bat. The second one I think is really our flexibility and we hear a lot about that too. We offer our reservation cost model where customers buy a set of resources to work within. But we also offer that reservation burst and that burst cost model. And this allows customers to expand beyond their contracted scope quickly. And I think in 2020, we've really seen the benefit of this. Uh, As we all went into quarantine, a lot of our customers had to rapidly accelerate their transition into the cloud and not necessarily holding customers to their contract and just allowing them to expand their environment without having to go back and sign new paperwork. I think that was really beneficial and it showed our flexibility. And then I'd say probably another compliment that we hear, and it kind of ties into all the work that Corey's team does, is just our compatibility and how all of that ties into our console again. Uh, going back to Mike's point earlier, we leveraged the NSX Edge, which I'm not a network guy by any means, but it's a pretty versatile little appliance. But we also understand that customers might want to use something in our cloud that they're more used to, or maybe their end users are more accustomed to. So we not only offer co-location services, but we also allow customers to directly upload virtual firewalls into our cloud. I know all of our networking team sees full variation of them. You know, we see ASAs, both both physical, virtual, we see Barracudas, Palo Altos, Meraki's. I really think we see the whole picnic basket when it comes to these networking appliances. And customers can upload any VMware compatible template, and they also have access to our public catalog, which has vanilla Windows operating systems and Linux operating systems. So we really give our IS customers the ability to either build that environment from scratch or bring in those existing workloads. And also, if you're leveraging us for DRs, you have access to all that as well. And if you are bringing in your existing workloads, you're not just forced to take an outage and upload those OVF for templates. You can utilize any of the tools that Mike alluded to earlier. You know we utilize Zerto, Veeam, Carbonite for physical infrastructure. We really do have all the tools in our golf bag to get the data moved into our cloud quickly. So kind of just to recap there, I think the main compliments that I hear on my team during the onboarding experience is that design, that attention to detail at the beginning, that flexibility because we understand that things change, and just the compatibility of bringing customers into our cloud. And I know we hit on this a ton earlier, but I just really want to emphasize the work that Corey's team does to make our console so user friendly. It really allows my team to show customers where each of these features are located and sort of teach them how to fish, so to speak.
1: I'll just emphasize the importance of Tom's team as well in the onboarding process. Like I mentioned a couple of times, our team is focused on simplicity and trying to create this great user experience. But no matter how hard we try, the cloud is a complicated beast, and there's always going to be a ton of technical details, things to configure. If we don't get the onboarding piece right, they're not going to be able to use what we've created successfully anyway. So I think that's just super important thing to emphasize.
0: Yeah, all those are great points. Customer experience is key and, and something we definitely focus on, not just technically, but also the experience that they have as individuals. But finally, you know, cloud introduces a unique opportunity for many customers to take their businesses global. But keeping it all connected and supported can be a big challenge at really any scale, especially when you go global. Rose, you and your team are focused on directly helping our customers. Can you talk a bit about how Island manages our global infrastructure, keeps customers connected to it and helps them out on both the good days and the bad days?
4: Sure. Absolutely. We've heard the guys talk about our resiliency, our redundancy, our awesome in-house written code and and the releases that happen there that benefit our customers. Tom's touched back on design and how important those components are when they're onboarding. And Tom's team takes them from day zero, day one. And once the deployment is complete, then it's on to support for day two and, and onward. And every day is kind of good day and bad day. You know, that's just the the nature of the beast with the, the support arena. But yeah, absolutely. So we keep our customers connected, first of all, through our carrier-neutral facilities. We have dedicated point-to-point MPLS, VPLS, Layer 2 and Layer 3, virtual firewall, VPN, load balancing, SD-WAN, SD networking. These are all the built-ins, right, that the customers um, have in front of them. Globally, we have multiple presence in the U.S., Canada. We have multiple locations in the U.K. as well. EU, Singapore, Australia, you know, we have a single console and API for, for all those locations. Um, and that's the world at their fingertips, basically, for our clients. And um, they have cross-cloud connectivity and data protection available. And again, all built in. And what does common architecture that we have in place mean for our customers? It means consistent performance. And, and that's what they're looking for, right? At the end of the day, they can put their stuff in the cloud with other providers. But what it comes back to are the people, the engineers behind the scenes on the phone with our customers when they're having an issue stuff goes sideways sometimes. And and it's important that when they pick up the phone or which they can pick up the phone 24-7, 365, or they can email us. A lot of our customers love our chat feature and they use it often. But when they get there, they want to know that someone on the phone is going to be technical. Someone on the phone is going to offer that expertise. But someone on the phone is going to empathize, understand with what's going on. Um, If it's whether it's on the on-prem side, because some days something's not going right on the on-prem side, or there could be a bug, and we're working through that. It's not always an easy conversation, but you know, whether it's a technical issue, billing, compliance uh, type issue, our engineers are technical, patient, persistent. Customers love that. They love to feel that the person on the other end of the phone, they can trust them. And not leaving out the account management team, because a lot of times the, the support team is in direct communication with the account team and saying, hey, this is going on with your clients and we need to let you know what's going on and here's how we're trying to help them. Or, hey, we noticed uh, consistent tickets, you know, that are coming in from this particular client and it may be time to talk to them about going to this product or this, they maybe need to purchase some more storage. It's going to help them to perform better. So we're always working with all the cross-functional teams for the best outcomes for the customer. Just to recap, at the end of the day, we're all wearing island blue. We're all on the same team, whether we're on the infrastructure team, the cloud services team, the support team, the account sales team. And at the end of the day, we're all there fighting for the customer to have the best experience.
2: I just think that on the onboarding team, as we're bringing customers in, we can sort of predict, you know, questions or maybe potential issues that come up during deployment. But I think our support team does a great job of just almost walking into the unknown when they pick up that phone. They don't know what the issue is going to be. And I think that team does a great job of just reacting to what the customer needs and either dealing with it with that team or escalating it to the correct resource in this company to make the customer
3: happy in the long run.
4: Yeah, absolutely.
3: I've been a veteran of both the cloud services and support teams. And I know from the cloud services side, doing those onboarding calls, everything, you know, it's one thing to read documents or have people tell you like, oh, here's all the cool things that the console can do. But it's another thing for us to get on the phone and walk you through it and show you and get you set up, do those test failovers, everything like that. Basically, you're almost trying to, at that point, get the customer self-sufficient, kind of limiting support tickets that might come up. And I think on top of that as well, we're proud of what we work with and what we have going here. We don't want there to be problems or anyone else to think it's not good. So we're going to try to make sure that everyone's working as best as they can. But I feel like Rose did a good job of covering that as well. So I don't want to just repeat everything she said.
4: Oh, thanks, Mike. No, yeah, that's, I mean, something we hear from our customers, even when there's been a challenging situation. Bring that understanding at 5, 6 in the morning. <laughs> Sometimes <laughs> that's not easy, you know. But, you know, once you get there, the, the, the customer's like, well, everybody was nice to work with. Like, I, I'm happy with the people I'm working with. Hey, if that's what wins the day and we get them to the place they need to be, you know, sometimes that's the way it, it kind of goes down. But
0: Yeah, people want to know that they're they're being taken care of, even if it's not the result they necessarily wanted.
4: Right. Sometimes customers have very challenging goals that they're trying to achieve on their end of things. But we can be there all the way through and try to bring about the best outcome for them.
1: I was just going to emphasize again the human piece, too, and what a big differentiator I think that is for Islands Cloud versus some of the big public clouds. The fact that customers can get a experienced person on the phone does more than any software can ever do when we're talking about some of these complex things. So I, I think that's a really important piece.
0: That's all really great, and, and I love I love that we ended on the people part of it. You know, I was really excited to get the four of you on here because you all have very different perspectives on what we offer, and some of you aren't as technical as the others, and we're kind of concerned about that at first. But as we can see, it's not all about the technology. When customers aren't able to touch their infrastructure and be able to actually dig their fingers into it like they're used to, it takes an extra bit of effort on our part to make sure they're getting what they need and that they can actually trust us. And keeping those services up and running when they can't touch and see it is incumbent on us to not only make it resilient to avoid those issues, making sure that we can react and give them the information that they need when they need it. A big part of it really is onboarding and making sure that when customers come on board, they're getting a whole new infrastructure that they have to deal with. So taking a lot of time to make sure it's simple to begin with so there's not a big learning curve for any customer that's moving into the cloud, whether it be Island or anyone else. But ultimately, I love the way that we ended this. The people behind the cloud matter almost as much as the technology in a lot of cases. We can provide those 11 attributes and and be able to create a platform technically that works for customers and gives them everything that they need. There's kind of this 12th attribute that we didn't really talk about, which is the people. Having people that actually care about the outcomes for the customers and being able to work with them to that point. Thank you all panelists for being here and, and everything that you've done for our customers. You've all brought unique perspectives, but hang on. I have one last piece of bonus content for you. The conversation you just listened to is very focused on what we do. So we thought it would be kind of cool to add a quick conversation about how we got here and where Island is headed as we move into a more cloud-centric world. For that, I have Island CTO, Justin Giardina. Welcome, Justin. Hey, Brian. How's it going? Not too bad. Thanks for joining me. The listeners just heard Mike, Corey, Tom, and Rose talk about how Island achieves the capable, flexible, reliable, resilient, accessible, connected, global, supported, compatible, secure, and compliant attributes of the cloud. You've been with Island for quite a while now. Can you share with us how the company got here both from the buildup of the platform and the
5: values that drove it? Sure, so a uh, great question. If you think back to where we started, For everybody's knowledge you know we the company's actually been around since the 1994 and the initial uh, focus for the company was around website design building potential websites for uh, customers in this new dot-com era and as we started progressing over the years there was a natural progression of different things that customers were asking for so it started with website design that led into managed hosting that led into co-location services, managed network services. And for about the first 12 to 13 years of the company, really mainly focused on the dot-com era level of service or services provided to customers. And in the 2008 timeframe is when I came on board and we had the luxury of saying, okay, look, we have all of these physical footprints globally and we have been working with this new technology called, quote unquote, virtualization. But once we took a look at what we really wanted to build with virtualization, if you think back to the landscape of cloud services back then, it was very Linux instance directly connected to the internet focus. And what we found was that our customers really wanted to have an enterprise-grade feature set. Back then, enterprise meant secure multi-tenancy, things like VLANs, private firewalls, VPNs, and things like that. So if you think back to what we started in 2008, we really wanted to focus on consolidating these physical footprints into virtualization, but also provide the customers with what they actually needed as an enterprise. Again, a lot more than just putting an instance on the internet. So if you think through that story, it's really keeping an ear on what the industry is doing, what the customer base wants. And then if you fast forward again from, say, 2008 until now, it's the same premise is true. It's what can we do to deliver the services that our customers need with also leveraging the technology that is uh, available to us today, whether that be from our backup as a service and DRES as a service of vendor relationships, whether it's networking relationships, security and so on.
0: Yeah. So very strong customer focus in a lot of that. And from what I understand, not having been there during that first 12, 13 years, was that a lot of the pivots were happening because of customers needing more specific things and finding more value that we could add to the service
5: as they were going along. That's exactly right. And it's all about being nimble, right? Think about vendors that we heard about back in the 2008, or I know you've been going to VMworld for ages. Just think about the the vendors you don't see anymore, right? People that may not have been able to pivot, people who may not have been able to really take a look at what's going on in the industry. And then also, too, like you mentioned, it's it's really customer demand, right? Customers are also experiencing and require some of these new technologies that, that are coming out. So it's our job as a cloud provider to not only deliver those in a consumable way, but to stay bleeding edge, if you will, and move with the industry.
0: That's a great place for us to be right now because of those efforts and those shifts that have been able to take advantage of as we've moved forward as a company but let's shift to looking forward now a little bit. And I'm curious from your perspective as our CTO, you know, you're know, you constantly looking at technologies that you can continue to add into that to create more value. So what technologies and customer requirements that customers are looking for, do you see as being big drivers going forward both for our products
5: and for customer adoption of the cloud in general? You know, that's a great question. And while you and I could probably sit and you know really dig into each one of the technologies that makes us most excited, you know, there's a bunch of great things coming out in the backup as a service and d space. Obviously, there's a ton and ton of great things coming out in the security space. So what I think I'll do to answer this question is instead of really focusing on like a speeds and feeds type of answer, I think what we can do is just really think about what the customer needs and how that relates to the speeds and feeds, if you will. Island's very well known for DRAS and backup as a service, but really the underlying platform that we built is the incubator to really offer those types of services. So if you pay attention to anything going on in the industry, we hear about these security breaches every single day, you know, 8 million users' data has been leaked or such and such bucket in Amazon was left open and, you know, all this data has been siphoned out. So what we have been focusing on a lot lately is the security and compliance aspect of what we do. And the reason I was talking about it in such a high level is because it's really applicable to multiple customer stories here at Island. You know, if you're using Island for backup as a service or disaster recovery as a service, you may need to adhere to certain compliance certifications, or you may have a CISO or security team that requires you to work in a certain framework for those replications or backups. But also as an IS customer, what we're seeing a lot of is as people are starting to start their journey and migrate their workloads into the cloud, security and compliance is no longer a second-class citizen. It is the primary thing. And sometimes customers are actually looking to get out of their on-prem solutions and use a cloud because of the security and compliance that a cloud provider can offer. So again, not to sound too lofty about it, but what really gets me excited and what really has been coming to fruition a lot is the customer need for security and compliance-based services.
0: Yeah, that's something that I've found attending VMUGS and and doing some informal polling throughout the last year or so, that security is is one of those top concerns. Customers are, are holding back on going to the cloud because they do worry about that. I'm glad to hear that that's gonna continue to be a focus for us because I think that's a huge differentiator for our platform. I want to return back to those attributes for one last question. And I, I think you've already kind of given me the answer, but I'd like to hear more expanded thoughts, or, or maybe you could touch on some of the other attributes of the cloud. Besides security, what else kind of most excites you
5: for what we have to offer today and what we'll be doing into the future? I'm definitely partial to speaking about security or speaking about networking, because that's where my background comes from. But if you really think about all the different pieces or all the different attributes that you discussed. If you think about those as all being a piece of the pie, at least from Island's perspective, is how can we deliver that pie as a customer experience or to provide a customer success to our various customers? Now, each one of the customers may use one of those pieces of the pie differently, right? We just spent a little bit of time talking about security for maybe a backup as a service, or DRAS customer, or maybe a customer is looking to migrate their workloads into the cloud and while security and compliance is important their main focus is the actual success of moving hundreds or thousands of workloads in so maybe they're leveraging island's professional services or support so i don't think it's like a necessarily a one size fits all answer for every customer but delivering those attributes as a service or a consumable experience from island i think is the key now specifically when you mentioned about technology it's all the things, right? I mentioned networking, being able to connect uh, hybrid cloud environments or multi-cloud environments, you know, we're starting to see more customers ask and consume containers. So again, back to our first question, you know, it's really about Island staying nimble and staying agile enough to be able to be bleeding edge and deliver those technology features, but also uh, having the customer actually be able to consume something worthwhile to them that fits their need versus just a bunch of speeds and feeds.
0: Awesome. That goes in line with everything I've heard this season is it's about giving customers what they need. And that's where successful clouds really come into. And all these attributes are things that different customers may need at different levels. So having a focus on, on each one individually has been a big key to success here. That was awesome, Justin. I really appreciate that extra viewpoint into kind of why Island is the way it is and and how we'll continue to do that to the future. So really appreciate
5: it. Thanks a lot.
0: And with that, let's officially finish off the first season of the CloudBytes podcast. Thank you to Mike, Corey, Tom, Rose, and Justin for sharing a bit about how clouds are built and managed. Also, thanks to Island for making this podcast possible. And thank you all that are listening. It's been great sharing these conversations with you. I'm currently planning out season two, so keep an ear out for that to come soon. And until then, please check out the episode notes, the panel's contact information, further information on everything that we've talked about this season and all the other episodes at cloudbytes.cloud. If you found this content useful, we'd appreciate you sharing with your friends and colleagues and rating us on your favorite podcast platforms. Thank you for joining us for this episode of the Cloudbytes podcast.
5: Right at ten minutes too. I was watching the uh the timer as we chatted.